This episode of the Western Outdoor News Podcast is brought to you by Kiss My Bass Charity Bass Tournament Event, benefiting the Stockton Boys and Girls Club, September 18th at Lads Marina. This is a great way to compete and give back to the Stockton Boys and Girls Club and youth programs. For more information, visit wonews.com. With the 600 horsepower, we got we got the torque we need to pull the heavy loads, and then we have the horsepower we need to gun ourselves out of some bad situations. Hey folks, and welcome back. This is episode 31 of the Western Outdoor News Podcast. Just this last Sunday, we had the time to sit down with Greg Trompas. Greg and his team fished at this year's California Tuna Jackpot. They'd sweep the competition with a 218-pounder caught the evening before. I see the majority of your big fish being caught in the late afternoon, so it's imperative that we have this kind of a format. We then speak with kayak angler Greg Johnson. Along with a core group of like-minded anglers, Greg landed his first bluefin tuna from the kayak. He reaccounts his experience and gives a few pointers for those thinking about taking a shot themselves. You're at the mercy of what direction this fish wants to go, so a couple times he would just, you know, dig deep and... I felt like a teeter-totter in my kayak. You're not going to want to miss out on this one, folks. But first, we'll jump into it with Greg talking about the California Tuna Jackpot, presented by Yamaha. What was your guys' day like? Did you guys catch all your fish yesterday and during the day, or did you guys fish through the night? Yeah, it was all daytime fishing, actually. We prepared the first night by catching some flying fish and had both live and dead uh, available for us. And then um, we set out in the early morning there, working towards where we thought the fish were going to be. And we ended up getting on the fish about 7.30 in the morning. Oh, so you guys got on them pretty early. Did you guys get on a, a bite that early or you just find the zone? You know, we just found the zone with some breezing fish. Um, we've been capitalizing on the breezing fish, mostly on breezer schools. Um, not so much that foamer stuff. So we we stayed away from the zone that was doing that and, and really tried to focus on finding finding the breezers. And uh, with the wind up early, it was tough. And we just found the zone early. I don't think we got a hook in the fish until right before noon. Oh, wow. So you guys you guys really just kind of followed that fish around. Yeah, we were Kept a close it. tab on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Tried to at least. We lost them a couple times. And uh, you had mentioned live flyers and dead. Did you guys end up catching on a live or a dead fish? You know, we didn't have any bite. Excuse me. We had one bite on the live, and um, we had all the fish on the dead flyers, you know, fresh dead rigged, rigged flyers. Yeah, yeah. And that fish, uh, that number one fish was at, uh, what was the weight again on that? That was at 218.3. Yeah, and I think you had another fish right around 206. That yeah, was 208. The other 208. One. 208. So you had two fish over 200 pounds. We I did. think you guys pretty much uh, stomped on the competition yeah. this, this year. Yeah, we had a 125 for just for good measure. And uh, did, you guys didn't do any yellowtail fishing. It didn't sound like anyone really did that this uh, tournament. They really focused on fishing for that uh, larger bluefin tuna. Yeah, with the money being in the in the tuna, you know, you really have to focus on what you what it is that you're doing with that day. So uh, we completely ignored the yellowtail part of the uh part of the tournament and just focused on the bluefin right on right on well uh you know i saw the rig down there the thing's a beast uh how was the weather for you guys uh the weather you know i it was nicer than it's been but that's not saying much the ocean's been really angry lately so we had some decent weather it the wind really got with it in the afternoon and um yeah that the way we have our boat set up that 25 davis bahia with the twin 300 yamahas out on a bracket and you got your all your cockpit room and um with the 600 horsepower, we got we got the torque we need 
you know, to, to, to pull the heavy loads. And then we have the horsepower we need to gun ourselves out of some bad situations. So. Yeah. Right on. Hey, well, Greg, anything else you want to kind of say about this tournament and hoping for next year to uh, keep growing this thing, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was surprising to see the number actually gone down since last year when the fishing was so much better. And I just kind of came across, um, you know, good friends of mine that, that, that would have the uh, financial ability as well as the know-how to go after this. And uh, they just didn't know about it. So we're going to do uh, we're going to work real hard at getting the word out. And I think this could be a really big tournament with some really big like six figure prizes if um if I think, you know, enough of the people that want to do this kind of thing were aware. So we're going to work real hard at getting the word out and see if we can't grow this thing. Yeah, for sure. The payouts are big. And, um, you know, with those big side pots and stuff, getting some of these bigger boats involved. And uh, do you like the format? Do you think that's going to be well, a good that, thing going forward? You know, last year we had two bluefin tournaments, one with Pelagic, one with Western Outdoor News. Neither of them could you fish in the afternoon. That's when this fish was, that's when this tournament was won. Um, I fish a lot of big bluefin, and if you gave me the opportunity of 10 days to fish either uh, morning or the afternoons, I'm going to take afternoons 10 out of 10. So your afternoon and evenings is when all the big ones are caught. That's when the biggest fish that ever has we have caught has been caught. I have a 421 by myself in 2019, and that was in the end of November. So, and it was you know at the end of the day while it was going dark. So over over a over a big. Um, you know, scale of a big, a big sample sheet to look at here. I see the majority of your big fish being caught in the late afternoon. So it's imperative that we have this kind of a format. I think the format was great. And uh, then we get in at a, you know, you get in at a time when you're ready to, to still have the award ceremony and everything. But yeah, decompress, do lunch. You got, you got to lunch. fish that whole 25 hours. So we had the night, the morning, the afternoon, evening, and even another night. I think it was a, I think it was a great format. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, going forward next year, it's a good idea to keep it this way. Definitely. So that we get some of those big guys coming 100%, in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we get, I think we get more of the yacht set involved and even some of the really good commercial guys because it's a chance for the guys grinding every day to use their skills and knowledge and talents to actually win a, win a big check. So yeah. I think we get the word out to different avenues here and we can really we can have a big tournament. Right on. Well, Greg, it was, it was great talking to you. and you too. I appreciate uh, it. I think we're going to see you next year, that's for sure. That's for and sure. Uh, hopefully them. start uh, you know working some more saltwater tournaments and doing Absolutely. some more things uh, in the future here. Cool. Thank you very much. All right. Thank appreciate you. It. Right on. Okay, folks, and here's Greg Johnson with his experience fishing the kayak for bluefin tuna just outside of Dana Point Harbor. I'd like to call peer pressure, but it wasn't really peer pressure when you have an idea like that to catch a bluefin off a kayak. It was a couple really good friends of mine, part of a little kayak group called Fresh and Salty, that were seeing the opportunity of, you know, this could be a reality, catch a bluefin tuna from a kayak, you know, literally paddle out from the harbor to where the bluefin live and that's kind of where it all sparked up and we, you know, ended up, you know, making it happen and um, doing the trip and, you know, it was just a pretty epic, epic experience. How many, uh, how many guys did you have with you when you were doing this? Yeah. So we had um, myself and two others on a kayak on a Hobie Outback. So they're, you know, pedal drives, um, my buddy, buddy Key, my buddy Hung. And then we had another friend of ours that was on this little skiff thing that has a little motor on it our buddy will and he was out there as well he was kind of our lead man kind of you know checking it out seeing what type of life is out in the in the ocean while we're pedaling out there and that was it just us yeah so he was kind of able to scout up ahead of you guys yeah he could uh definitely uh get 
further out faster. And um, we kind of all just were in like a little bit of a, um, you know, a little one mile away from each other or less at all times. Yeah, kind of a formation to cover cover ground. Because I know being so low to the water, it's got to be got to be tough to really see what's going on. Are you guys able to stand up while you're out there? I know those kayaks are are pretty stable. Did you guys yeah. do any of that? Absolutely not. No standing <laughs> up on the kayak. No, no, no. You can. I have stand, I have stood up on a kayak, but definitely not in this situation. It was, uh, <clears throat> you know, interesting just to go out offshore a little bit on, on the kayak, let alone maneuver around on there. And it was a little choppy in the beginning. So we were bunkered down on that kayak. <laughs> uh, where'd you guys leave out of? So we actually left out of Dana Point, um, kind of a little after hours trip, um, you know, straight out of the harbor. It was super smooth, you know, dropped the kayaks right in and paddled our way to the bait barge. And they uh, filled each of us up with the little kayak scoop, they call it. And it was a mix of sardines and anchovies, um, healthy bait, pretty good bait. And then off we were uh, outside the break wall into the uh, open water outside of Dana Point. Yeah, yeah. So your guys' plan was to have bait, obviously, with you. Um, I'm sure you guys were ready to cast on on fish that were were boiling and doing the whole foamer thing. Um, so, you know, at this point, you guys start paddling out and just go through the experience. What happened at that point? Yeah, I really didn't know what to expect. I just know, hey, <clears throat> we may you know, run into some foamers, right? It could be epic. Come right to the kayak. I'll cast a, a, one of those metal Zikana jigs at them. I'll hook up and it'd be epic. That was kind of the dream. And then the other option was we don't see any tuna. I paddle out, I get some exercise and come back in, right? And it was cool to at least try. But um, so we went out, we paddled out, we kept going and going. And um, I'd ask my buddy, hey, you think this is a good enough spot or are we, we out to where we want to fish? And he's, you know, Key said a little further, a little further. And, you know, one and a half mile went to two miles, two miles went to two and a half and then three. And I think between three and four miles is kind of the zone we were at. And, um, you know, we had, like I mentioned, we had the metals kind of jig ready to go um, to cast and bomb as far out as we could because we were assuming we're not going to be able to keep up with these bluefin. And then I had, um, you know, a long gaff ready to go. And I changed from a popper to a live bait last minute, which I'm thankful I did because we all try to catch them on jigs before live bait, but we changed to a live bait hook and, um, you know, didn't really see much um, right away, but then we started to see lots of life. We saw, you know, dolphin, which you know, the radio got wild and everyone's like, there's fish. And it ended up being dolphin. You know, we've all kind of experienced that probably. And then we saw, I think some smaller looking, I look like pilot whales. And then some of the other guys literally saw hammerheads. And that was about the time I wanted to turn back and go back to the dock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing a shark, you know, everyone's like sharks out there and course there's sharks um but you know for them to literally see one and it came pretty close i guess there was like a pack of them they said five of them they counted yeah they counted five they weren't really big but they were long and um that was kind of interesting they're just i think probably chasing around bait or something and um so yeah so we got out there and um took some cool photos of these fins in the water and um some of the life and I made the 
made the decision to, <clears throat> I heck, you know, I guess, you know, we're not going to necessarily see any to cast right away or potentially we will. Let me throw out a slow troll bait and didn't have any mackerel. Typically would slow troll a mackerel, but we slapped on the liveliest, you know, nice size sardine and threw her back and, um, you know, kind of just moseyed around looking for fish. And uh, next thing you know, we ran into some, some jumping fish and I had to do a double take and um, confirmed in my eyes and then yelled on the radio, of course, um, bunch of jumping uh, tuna fish ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you were at, so you were still slow trolling at this time. So did you just leave that out and, and keep going towards this fish you saw? Yeah. So I didn't even for like a split instant, I kind of forgot about my slow troll sardine. And um, I just tried to focus on pedaling as fast as I could um, towards the direction of these fish. And then next thing you know, it started to get better and better. Like birds started to show up and um, more and more fish started to uh, come about. And then I just, the next goal was, Hey, how do I figure out which direction these things are moving so I can cut them off? And literally I was probably 10 seconds away of, you know, grabbing my, uh, my jig stick and casting. And next thing you know, I, I got like yoinked from my kayak on my uh, slow troll that I forgot about and just started screaming. It was on a spinning reel, uh, mind you, on a spinning, on a certate spinning reel. Started screaming and um, luckily I didn't grab that jig stick and I managed to grab that that slow troll rod out of the uh, the rod holder from the Hobie kayak. It wasn't even an aftermarket holder. It was literally the hole in the kayak and then we uh the battle began <laughs> now you're hooked up you'd seen those sharks what's going through your mind at this point you know what i think my adrenaline was rushing so so much that i was like i need to figure out how not to fall off this kayak and you know catch this fish not pull the hook not set the drag and then also i didn't want to get spooled because he was just taking so much line the sharks kind of just went out went out the head i didn't even think about it until um, we, you know, got more towards the process of, uh, actually landing this fish. Then I started to think, you know, Hey, there's blood in the water. What am I going to do? <laughs> Were you, uh, at that point, had you called your, your guys and said, Hey, I'm hooked up. Did they come over to help assist with the landing or do they just keep fishing, doing their thing? No, they, uh, I definitely, uh, got excited and announced it on the radio and they announced it back with their excitement. They were so stoked and excited. Excited as well. They all kind of like rushed in as fast as they could mine their own kayaks, except for one of our buddies has a little motor on his skiff thing. Um, looked like a surfboard, literally, like a little surfboard thing with the motor. So they all came over and they were shooting videos and filming. And um, as it progressed and, you know, we were gaining line on this tuna. Well, at first, I wasn't sure, is this really a bluefin or is this a shark? Like, you know, typically you get excited. But once I realized a couple of head shakes and how he was he was uh, digging. It was a bluefin. They all, they got their gaffs ready. And, um, we had a couple, uh, close calls with, um, you know, a gaff and, uh, the fish not ready to be gaffed. And, um, you know, another person, one of my other buddies took a turn and, um, luckily we, uh, had an amazing gaff shot. Key just gaffed him straight into the, into the face and, uh, and we were able to get him on board. Awesome. Yeah. That's, I mean, to be able to land that fish, especially after everything, like you said, everything kind of just lined up and worked out. That's yeah. uh that's an amazing catch for sure. No, super cool. And I think the one thing to take away is 
when you catch them on a kayak, it's not like a boat where, you know, you have higher ground and more, more ground to move around. You're at the mercy of what direction this fish wants to go. So a couple of times he would just, you know, dig deep and I felt like a teeter totter on my kayak. And, you know, luckily they have steering on there where you can steer around and go backwards and forwards. And that really, I think was the, the game changer of me landing this fish because I could kind of maneuver with him, but it was, it was interesting and uh, definitely not easy. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't at all. <laughs> I used to do quite a bit of kayak fishing uh, back in my high school days. We'd fish uh, La Jolla and out of Dana as well. Um, I had a first gen uh, outback. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was always fun. And that's kind of how uh, a lot of people get started. And a lot of people just, enjoy the kayak almost more than fishing the boat a lot of times yeah you know it's um that's pretty cool down la jolla i've heard the stories of you know people going after those yellowtail and kayaks have definitely um come into the limelight with the current market and you know i've just been lucky enough to learn this this type of fishing recently with through friends that i was actually out with on this trip and then also you know guys at hobie Uh, i have a friend over there named morgan and howie that are phenomenal fishermen and people that have really kind of got me into the sport too. And it's a pretty unique thing that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good for the the mind, the body, the soul exercise, and it's just an easy way to get on the water. Yeah, totally. Um, so getting into like the kayak and everything and maybe even your setups, how did you prepare for this trip other than, you know, just getting down to the water and going for it. What kind of things do you guys have to prepare differently than say a guy on a boat or you're hopping on a sport boat? Yeah. So a couple of things that I learned right away is hydration. Like you don't really think about that. Yeah. Let's just bring, um, you know, a jug of water or whatnot, but bringing extra hydration was key because, uh, you know, not only pedaling that far, but also fighting the bluefin, you're really using all your muscles more. So that was really important that, you know, have extra bottles of, um, of water. Um, that was different than, you know, just having something at your leisure. Um, also, you know, not having a giant bait tank, there's a little Hobie, um, portable bait tank that I had on there, making sure that that's working correctly the night before that was super crucial, um, because it allowed us not to waste any time, um, getting out to the, the fishing grounds and making sure the bait didn't die. So, that was important. And then also, you know, some of the basics like your life vest, making sure your, your walkie talkie is charged, um, or your radio, um, that was important and absolute must when you're going out in these open waters where it could be, you know, anything could happen and safety's, you know, obviously got to be number one priority. So having all that stuff charged up and, you know, having a gaff that makes sense and, um, you know, without a lot of space, even though these outbacks have tons of space, you know, finding ways to put things in um, easy depart- uh, compartments and ways to get them like your jig or your hooks or your leader line. You know, I put them in a, this clear bag that um, Daiwa makes kind of like a, you can put your plastic worms if you're a bass fisherman in there. I just put a little bit of everything so I can condense rather than bringing in a giant, you know, tackle box or anything. Um, and then, you know, things like, um, having a fish clip, making sure that's tied on before. I mean, even if you, you expect to catch a fish or don't expect, you always got to ex- be ready to, um, you know, process your catch right away and take care of them. And, and just little things like having scissors that cut them and bleed them properly. Um, 
you really, it's just all these little, little things, kind of little checklists to make sure you go, okay, you know, your, make sure your rudders and your pedals and everything is good to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, just checking off all those things the night before and then, you know, checking them again in the beginning. And then most importantly, going with friends and people that are also experienced. That's the, I think the most mindful thing and keeps you at ease that, you know, you have support out there when you're trying to, you know, catch a bluefin on a, on a kayak. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think you guys are going to get more and more shots at it as this uh, season progresses. It seems like that stuff, uh, you know, is, is close to the beach almost every afternoon. And, um, you know, at least once a week you hear a fish being caught in even closer water than what you guys experienced. Um, you know, I had a couple buddies fishing, uh, just off, uh, just off Dana point last, uh, last weekend. And they were in 120 feet of water and got bit. Jeez, that's right. This is amazing year. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely something for the record books. And it's just something that's, you know, part of history right now. We're, we're seeing this bluefin rush the beach coming in so tight, you know, within a hundred feet of water and feeding, uh, that stuff at Catalina is doing the same thing on the East end. It's just been amazing. I mean, when's the last time I, I have never heard of this. Have you, uh, Daniel, when's the last time you've heard of these fish getting that close? You said a few years ago that you had a buddy that mentioned it. Yeah. So we, um, you know, what was it? 2015 maybe. Okay, yeah, was it was a good year where we saw that bluefin uh, rush the beach pretty close. Um, it seems, you know, when it gets stuck inside here with all that anchovy, it does seem to stick around and and we'll see it in shallow water. Um, I've hooked quite a few fish in less than 300 feet of water in the last three or four years. So it just, uh, you know, you never know when it's going to pop up. And I think a lot of people think it's dolphin and drive by it half the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a small dolphin. I just keep going. Yeah, like, yeah, we're, we're way too close in. Absolutely, yeah. No, and I, I think one thing that I, I replay it like the last few days I've been replaying it in my mind is is hooking them on the right equipment. You know, I had uh, my, my – I was telling my uncle and my buddies, and they're like, you caught him on a spinning reel? I'm like, yeah, I caught him on a – a beefy spinning reel that is, you know, tough and strong and having a tough and strong rod. You know, if I was to hook them on a lighter bass outfit or, you know, something lighter, it would have been maybe a different story, maybe not, but you really got to come prepared with the right tackle. If your, your goal is to land these things. And the spinning gear has come so far in the past, you know, 10 years. It's amazing. The drag systems on these things and the, the gear ratios and everything, they're just bulletproof now. And the more and more fish are being uh, caught on the spinning gear and by myself and my friends. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It was, I mean, the, the line just screaming off, it was so smooth. Um, it was a certate 14,000. I probably caught it, could have had a 10,000, but that's, I just happened to have a 14,000 and it was, uh, 50 pound uh j red island blue and i had a 60 pound leader so that fish was uh definitely um asking for bruising with that setup but i had alexa set up on my other side and if i would have hooked him on that you know alexa was a small alexa could have done just as fine but it was much lighter line so you know who who, who knows but luckily we hooked him on the right setup having the right gear for this fishery it's definitely um a game changer smooth drag systems everything you just said exactly this was uh, awesome greg i'm so stoked i got to talk to you today and and just bringing light to that a couple guys out there on the kayaks are having shots at these things i think is awesome yeah no we're gonna have to uh continue to monitor these uh beaches a little closer than we uh typically do in previous years right daniel 
All right, folks, and that's going to conclude episode 31 of the Western Outdoor News Podcast. For more information on trips and charters and that Kiss My Bass charity tournament, visit wonews.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.